Hello friends, it's time for Let's Talk About Jesus. We hope you join us for this Bible study today. I believe it's going to bless you. I believe it is because God's Word is such a blessing to our life. It can bring faith. It can bring joy. It can bring peace. (laughs) It can bring everything we need in our life. If we will receive God's Word into a good ground heart, it will bring forth its fruit. 30, 60, and a hundredfold. And if it's possible to be a hundredfold believer, that's what I want to be today. And it is possible. And it's all based on how we receive and respond to the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles today, if you'll turn back to where we left off last week, speaking on Jesus, our mercy seat, talking about the mercy of God and its place in our salvation and in our life of faith and faithfulness to God. Oh, friend of mine, I love to talk about the mercy of God. Amen. So this is going to be a good Bible study today. Let's go back to Titus 3 and verse 5. Listen to it carefully today. Jesus our mercy seat. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. I like that. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, Receiving mercy from God opens the door for the grace of God to flow. And behind the grace of God, every possible need of our life. But it all begins with mercy. Remember, we talked last week about the scripture that says, Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Uh, when when uh, Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations chapter 3 was so broken over the sins of the people and the judgments of God, corrective judgments in the land, he said this, I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. Thy mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And faithfulness not in the general sense, but in a specific sense in this context. And that's the faithfulness of his character of love that shows such mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. Cause Jesus to stop in his tracks and say, Bring that man to me. There's all kinds of needs and all kinds of people seeking God for their need. But the man who recognized the heart of God beats with love. And because of that love for mankind, yes, even fallen mankind, oh, friend of mine, he is a merciful God to those who will repent and those who will recognize this great truth about him. Listen, if something causes Jesus to stop in his tracks when he's on his way and a crowd is trying to touch him, everybody wants something from him, and this 
blind Bartimaeus who sit by the wayside begging. When Jesus was passing by, he hollered at the top of his lungs, Son of David, have mercy on me. Boom! Jesus stops. He points at him and says, bring that man to me. And of course, you know the rest of the story. He healed him. He opened those eyes. Friend of mine today, the only approach to God for salvation, the only approach to God for deliverance, the only approach to God for help in the time of need, for healing, anything that we need from God, it's always seeking first His mercy, recognizing and responding to His love by believing that not only has He enough power to help us, amen, regardless of how impossible the situation may seem, for nothing is impossible with God. And He knows how to help us because He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. That means He's seen the end from the beginning. He knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. He knows everything that is necessary to help you and me. So he, he knows how to help us. He has the power to help us. But does he love us enough to show mercy upon us and release that power and that knowledge? That becomes the key issue of faith today. So we want to make a statement here today that, that uh, uh, grace and mercy is not just for lost sinners. It's also for struggling saints. Every true child of God wrestles with the weakness of our own flesh. We need always to run to God, never from Him, to run to the mercy seat. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, once again, we're going to begin. Let me read it again. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration. You see, all of that that, that brings salvation, this born-again experience, this, this transformation, a washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. All of this is released into our life from God because of His mercy. When we repent of our sin, we come before the throne of grace and mercy flows and grace to help. And when we need healing and when we need help and when we need deliverance, whatever we need, it always begins with obtaining mercy and then grace to help. And everything flows after that. That's why the man who said, Son of David, have mercy, instead of Son of David, I have great faith. See my great faith in you. Oh, he had great faith. But his faith was based on an understanding of God's willingness to help him, not just God's power to help him. It wasn't the power of his faith, and it wasn't just the power of God. It was the mercy of God and his understanding that I can obtain mercy 
and when I do, power is a given. <laughs> God has all power and heaven and earth. And listen, friend of mine, he has the power to help you. But even greater than that, he has the love <laughs> for you. He has the concern for you. He has the compassion upon you to release that power in your behalf. You see, the Bible said in First John that, that fear hath torment, but perfect love casteth out all fear. And it's not our perfect love for God. It's His perfect love for you and His perfect love for me. That's why mercy plays such an important part in our faith life. Amen. Mercy, I want to say it again loud and clear. Mercy is not just for lost sinners, but it is also for struggling saints. Jesus told a story, and I'm not going to take time to read it. You can read it at home in Luke 18, 9 through 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14. That helps us understand God's mercy on a very fundamental and basic level. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One man was a Pharisee, one of the great religious sects of the day. The other was a tax collector. Oh, it's tax time. <laughs> so nobody really likes the tax collector. And in that day, they were particularly hated because many times it would be a Jew that was taxing his own countrymen to bring tax to Caesar. And the way they got them to do it and to do it ruthlessly is because they gave them a percentage of the taxing. That's why, uh, that's why there was, they call them publicans as well. Not, no, not republicans. <laughs> this is publicans. They were the people who were taxing their own people. Re remember the little short guy that climbed up in a tree to hear Jesus teach? And and uh, his name was Zacchaeus, and he said to, unto him, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to have lunch at your house today. And he went and ate with him, and that encounter with Jesus was life-changing for this little man who had who had taxed his own people, actually defrauded them. And his life so turned around and was so transformed that he said, I'm going to return not only what I took, but I'm going to pay it back with interest. Hallelujah. Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm coming to your house for, for dinner today, for lunch today, if you please. And this tax collector was hated. Uh, and uh, in that day, the Pharisees were admired by most people because of their piety. While tax collectors were regarded as scoundrels and crooks. And when the Pharisee prayed, he bragged about his own righteousness as if God owed him something. But when the tax collector prayed, he felt so burdened about his sin that he stood at a distance, kept his head bowed, beat his chest, and cried out, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Greek reads this way. God be merciful to me, the sinner. As if he was saying, I'm chief of all sinners, I'm worst of all sinners, I'm as bad as bad can be. And when he said, God be merciful to me, the sinner, we are to understand that the people who heard him pray said, 
Amen. You are a sinner. That's right, brother. You're the worst of all possible sinners. Remember the Pharisee said, as I said, I'm glad I'm not like other men, particularly like that man that is praying right there. See, here we have the paradox of this story. A man is good as you can be on a moral basis. A man is bad as you can be in terms of the morality of this world. It's as if Jesus told a story and said, over here we have a Supreme Court justice and over there we have a rapist. Over here we have the president and over there we have a prostitute. And the shock of this story is that the good man ends up lost and the bad man ends up saved. That's an incredible thing. I want you to stop and think about this for a minute. He's not saying it's all right to sin without consequence. You will be lost if you don't repent and obtain mercy from the Lord. But you can't be sinless and you can't be righteous in yourself enough to earn heaven. Only those that obtain mercy and grace from God are going to be saved. By grace you are saved. Through faith it is the gift of God. It is not of works. It produces works. We're created unto good works, but the good works in and of themselves do not save any one. Why was the bad man saved? The bad man was saved because of what he said when he prayed. He prayed, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, he prayed to the right person. Have mercy. He made the right request to me, a sinner. He made the right confession. You know, the scripture said in First John, if we say we have no sin, we lie. We're not truthful, we're disingenuous, we're deceived. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and He is just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all iniquity. Isn't that incredible? It's all about obtaining mercy and grace to help. Notice the basic request. Have mercy on me. Literally, you could translate that, God be propitiated unto me. Propitiation means to turn away wrath by the offering of a gift. He was praying for the propitiatory mercy of God to be extended unto him. The word is the verb form of the noun that means mercy seat. If you could say it this way, it, it's as if he was saying, God, be mercy seated unto me. Now, what does that mean? It's a picture from the Old Testament in the tabernacle inside the Holy of Holies. There was a small chest called the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most holy and sacred object in the Jewish religion. It was a box about a yard long and a foot and a half wide. Inside this gopher wood box were the tablets of the Ten Commandments, the law of God, the standard by which God would judge humanity. The lid of the Ark of the Covenant was called the mercy seat. It was solid gold, two golden cherubim, 
angels uh, were on the top of the mercy seat. Their wings spread over it. And in the space where the wings almost met is where the presence of God would dwell with His people. Because God said, I will dwell between the cherubim. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would slaughter a goat, and with the blood of the goat he would enter the Holy of Holies. There he would take the blood of the goat and sprinkle it on the golden lid called the mercy seat. When he sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, the sins of the people were forgiven. Propitiation, see, is occurring for another year. What is the meaning of that act? When God looked down from heaven, he saw the law by which he would judge his people. But they had broken the law of God. Whenever God looked down and saw the Ten Commandments, that was a sign to him that his people deserved judgment, penalty, and punishment. And as long as nothing came between him and his law, his people would be punished. But when the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, God saw the blood of the sacrificial substitute. And by virtue of that blood and what it represented, he turned away his judgment and his anger and he forgave the sins of the people. See, that's why Jesus is our mercy seat, and Jesus is our sacrifice lamb. Jesus is our propitiation. This gift of God to us, it's the gift of God. It's Christ Himself. It's not of works. No one can boast. No one can brag when we get to heaven. Oh, friend, I believe we're going to be rewarded, no doubt. The Bible speaks of crowns that we will be given, the crown of righteousness, the, 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 the different rewards, the, the victor's wreath, if you please. But there is something occurring in heaven that four and twenty elders are bowing down before the Lamb of God, and they are casting their crowns <laughs> because they know it's the mercy and grace of God that allows the mighty work of salvation to occur, the forgiveness, the redemption, praise God, the regeneration. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. What does the blood on the mercy seat point to? Amen. It points to our Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood so that the sins of the world could be forgiven. Friend of mine, those angels are not looking up toward heaven. They're not looking across the mercy seat at each other. Their head is looking down because that's where the blood is going to be sprinkled. And when I see the blood, remember what God said to ancient Israel as a type and foreshadow of Christ and His substitutionary propitiatory sacrifice was offered. When I see the blood, slay that perfect little pet lamb that you've set aside and take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost of your home. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the entire Passover is based on this type this foreshadow that's why christ is called our propitiation and he's called our passover in the new testament christ our passover is sacrificed for us hallelujah 
Do you want to know what the situation is now? God is in heaven and we're on earth. If nothing comes between us and God, we're going to be judged, and the whole human race would be damned. But something has come between God and the human race, something so wonderful, so powerful, and so precious. Do you know what it is? It's the sprinkling of the blood of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now by virtue of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I have our sins forgiven, not in our own merit, but by virtue of what Christ has done for us. And that's what the tax collector was praying for, propitiation, mercy, and grace from God. See, Christ has supplied His blood. God has supplied the sacrifice lamb. Jesus, as our lamb, has supplied the blood and, 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 and has propitiated, that would propitiate a God who has every right to judge us and be angry with us. But because of His sacrifice, we can be saved. But we have to supply the repentance the turning from our sin to God, from darkness to light, and the crying out to Him for mercy and grace. And we will be abundantly pardoned if we do that. The only sin that can't be forgiven is the sin that is unconfessed. Now, we could go to the unpardonable sin, but that also is a sin that is unconfessed, and that's why it cannot be pardoned. And we'll deal with that in a future teaching. But friend of mine, I want you to know today we're going to heaven because Jesus died on the cross. We're going to heaven as Christians today because we have confessed our sin and we have been forgiven. Hallelujah. And that great chasm that sin had created between us and our God, that great gap has been spanned by the love of God for us, to wit, God was in Jesus Christ, redeeming the world unto himself. Praise God for this kind of salvation, this kind of Savior. And this is what the tax collector was praying for. He was praying for mercy and grace while confessing his sin. And the man who did not appeal to God's mercy saw no need for God's mercy, considered himself so righteous that he saw no need to seek forgiveness, and he set himself up above everyone else. Friend of mine, I want you to know today that kind of religious pride will lead a person to hell just as sure as every other sin against God. Oh, friend, how we need to humble ourselves before the Lord. How we need a revival in the church of Jesus Christ today and in the hearts of believers where we open our heart to the Holy Spirit. Remember what David said in the Old Covenant? He said, Search me, O Lord. I want you to look right in my heart you see, he knew the scripture. He knew, he knew, he knew what, what God's attitude was towards sin. And he knew how to obtain mercy after he had sinned. 
Oh, friend of mine, today may be the day in your life, maybe for the first time in your life, you truly see your lost condition and you see your need for mercy and you see God's provision for your need in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is your mercy seat. He's my mercy seat. He's our mercy seat. And because that kind of grace and mercy is available to us, we should run to God, not from Him, to obtain this mercy, to receive this grace. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you're a struggling Christian today, and you struggle with your own weaknesses, your own fallacies, your own inabilities to to make the grade. I'm not saying that you can live any way you want. Mercy is going to cover it all. I'm saying because of grace and mercy, you can receive everything you need to overcome the weakness of your flesh, the works of your flesh, the the temptation of the world system, the, the, the power to, to tempt of the enemy of your soul. There's victory in Jesus so that sin doesn't reign in your mortal body. Amen. It doesn't mean that, that we won't have occasions we need to repent, but it means that we will ultimately win this battle between the flesh and spirit, and between the world and the kingdom, and between the devil, amen, and Jesus. This great battle that is going on right now, God is for you, and God is for me. And because of mercy, everything I need to overcome, he hath given us all things the scripture teaches that pertain to life, that means living a fulfilled life here, serving God, and godliness, that that pleases God. Amen. He certainly can't see sinless perfection in me, but he can see the perfect blood of Jesus because he's looking at the mercy seat. And when I see the blood, you see, when I stumble, I get up and go on. When I have an attitude or an activity that I know displeases my master, I want to be forgiven. And I confess that sin before him. That's why in, in the pattern prayer that we're to pray or to integrate every time we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We confess our sin. We seek and obtain forgiveness. We get right with God. And as I say so many times in our congregational life, there's nothing wrong. I'll say it from the pulpit and immediately there'll come a response from our audience with getting right with God. There's nothing wrong with getting right with God. I don't know how repentance got such of a bad negative spin put on it. Oh, friend of mine, repentance obtains mercy and grace and allows for complete, utter restoration. 
And when that fellowship with God is restored, that heavy heart, that guilty heart, that shameful heart is set free. Amen. <laughs> and that our, our heart is sprinkled from an evil conscience. That means the guilt of sin is gone because now God has forgiven you and forgiven me. Hallelujah. So today, Whatever struggle you're in, you can win this battle because His mercies are new every single morning. And I pray that you will never, ever, ever, ever run from God because you have stumbled, because you have fallen, because you feel condemned and you don't know how God can love you friend of mine at your worst when you were lost when you didn't seek God didn't care what he thought about anything going your own way the Bible said God commended his love to us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us mercy flows from the heart of God Mercy flows from the heart of Jesus Christ. And mercy flows from an old rugged cross where He hung and stayed on it. When He could have called the legions of angels, the myriads of angels, the armies of heaven to take Him down and let the world be damned and judged but he stayed on the cross. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. So come back next week, will you? And let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.